I want to talk about two distinct words today that go hand in hand. One of the words that you might be comfortable with and you may like and it's a little easier to talk about. The other word, on the other hand, is a little more uncomfortable. Uh, it may be something that <clears throat> you may not think about as much. Maybe something that you're just not as comfortable thinking or talking about, it's even in church and what that looks like. So here's the first word. The first word is heart. Everyone say heart. Now in the Bible, uh, it talks a lot about the heart. And it explains the heart. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Bible is very clear that your heart is, in many ways, the most essential part of who you are. It describes the core, your inner being. It explains that whatever is going on in your heart leads you to say what you say, do what you do. It guides your actions. And it, it also describes what you're passionate about, where you're driven to pour your time and energy and, and your effort into. And even in the Gospels, Jesus is speaking predominantly about your heart. And so, yes, God cares about your actions and what happens on the outside of you, but he really knows that what happens outside comes from what's going on on the inside. Does that make sense? And so that's, that's your heart. The second word is the word sacrifice. Everyone say sacrifice. See, it's, not, it's a little darker, right? It's a little not as exciting. And, and so sacrifice, especially in church, you, you may start to think, well, what are you asking me for, Right? Well, what are you asking me to give, and what, what are you calling me to do? And, and so there's a number of things that may come to your mind when you think about sacrifice. Maybe you think about Jesus and paying the price and what went into all of that. Today I want to talk about the sacrifice that you and I are called to. And you can think a lot about when it comes to faith and when it comes to a sacrifice that, that we bring. Uh, what is a sacrifice? Well, every time you read the Word of God, you're making a sacrifice to press into your faith. Every time you stop, you pause, and you pray, you're pouring in and investing in your faith. Every time you give, you're sacrificing a little bit of your money to provide for something else outside of you. And so there's a lot of different ways that we sacrifice, but it's not always comfortable to think about or to talk about. And so, I don't know if you're like me, but when I hear the word sacrifice, I'm always like, what are you asking of me, and is it worth it? Does anyone agree with that? Is it worth it when you're calling me to give something, to give away my time, my money, my energy, my focus? And so I was thinking about this when I was about 24 years old, my wife and I, but before we got married, we had a handshake deal of when we would have kids, all right? We agreed, all right? We didn't sign anything, but we agreed that we would wait three years, all right? We'd settle in, then we'd have, you know, kids three years later. Well, a year late, or a year into the marriage, I come home, and she had like, I don't know, a bad day at work, and she goes, it's time to have kids. And I'm like, it was like the Seinfeld moment, like we shook hands, we shook on it, you know, like, wait a second, changed all of this on me, and I started to go against it because I didn't think I was ready. You know, like being a parent is, to be a good parent, you have to sacrifice. It's a game changer. And, and everyone in the room, you know, it, sacrifice, the reason you're successful in business is because you've made a lot of sacrifices. 
The reason marriages are healthy is because two people sacrifice for the betterment of each other. And so I'm sitting there going like 23, 24 years old. I'm not ready to be a dad. I'm just trying to be an adult man, you know, and pay bills and, and like have a job and keep a job. And I was getting my seminary, my master's degree with a full-time job and, and all this stuff. And so guess who won that discussion? My wife, okay. And so she, uh, there's this moment I'll never forget, uh, she took a pregnancy test, and I wasn't familiar with pregnancy tests, and she pulls it out, and you know how there's, there's two lines on it, and I didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, that one line is very, very dark when it shows up, but the other line is a little bit faded on there. That means you're pregnant if it pops up, and if it doesn't, you're not, and so it was faded, and I look at it, and this this big moment, like she was clearly pregnant, but I was like, hold on, wait a second. I was like, it was kind of like NFL pass interference, like I'm challenging the ruling. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know, like, can we go to replay? Because I don't think, it's not very clear, you know? And of course, here, here's what I do, this is terrible. I, I got her to get a blood test. Like I totally, isn't that horrible? like I had to know and so she went to the doctor and drew blood to find that's how exciting finding out we're having a baby was right but all of that was based out of out of fear because I knew there was a sacrifice that I was going to enter into to be a good dad is it worth it to bring a sacrifice and is our heart willing to drive us to bring the right sacrifice in our life which leads us into this story today, because today I want to talk about your faith. And what type of sacrifice are we, are we called to bring to the Lord? What does that look like, to have a heart willing to bring the sacrifice, to offer ourselves completely to God? And when He calls you and I to give ourselves away, or to give our time to serve, or to bring an offering to something, whatever that is, do you and I have a heart that's willing to sacrifice for Jesus? And so there's kind of the main point today. I want to give it to you early, and it's this. Your heart for Jesus is displayed by your sacrifice to Jesus. Let me say it again. My heart and your heart for Jesus is often displayed in our sacrifice towards Jesus. When we're called to bring in. So that leads us into Matthew 26. If you want to follow, pull out the app. There's a couple of fill in the blanks. And it will also be on the screens. What we basically have in Matthew 26 is we have kind of a gathering. We'll say it's like a dinner party. And what we're going to see in this story is there's one person that does something that no one really understands. They, they do something that is kind of unpredictable it certainly makes people uncomfortable, and they really, they really can't gather why this person is, is doing this and making this action and, and what, what they do. But what it does, this action creates three different revelations of three different kinds of hearts as it relates to sacrifice. And I want to unpack the story because I see each of us in the story, and hopefully by the end of it, you'll be able to identify what type of heart towards Jesus am I operating with? Because there's only one person in a, in a story of probably 15 to 20 different people in the scene 
that has the heart that Jesus likes, that he really uplifts and loves. So I want to encourage us with that today. So here it is, Matthew 26, let's set the scene. Verse 26, here's what it says. So while Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman, her name is Mary, came to him, to Jesus, with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Now, in the four different Gospels, this is written about in different ways, and, and they, they kind of look at it. In John, it talks about there's like a dinner party happening, and there's this gathering, okay? So I want you to picture Thanksgiving dinner happening. How many of you are, are hosting for Thanksgiving? Man, we should pray for you guys right now, right? We should, <laughs> yes. A little stressful, right? So, you know, you're, you're planning the dinner and you're getting it together and you want it to be nice and smell good and the food to come out on time and for it to be great for your guests and, and all of that. And that's what we have here. And so you'd expect the people you invite to dinner, like they'd bring a side dish, you know, some green bean casserole, maybe a dessert, some pumpkin pie, maybe some, am I making you hungry, right? Some, some cranberry sauce, but you, you'd expect that, but... But Mary, this woman in this story, she doesn't bring that. She brings this, this object, she brings this alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Now why, why, would, she, why would she do that at a dinner party with Jesus at Simon's house? Well, let me show you a picture. This is what it may have looked like. These jars uh, were extremely nice. And they were handmade, and they, they had long necks, and usually they had a top on them. And to break it open, for, to get to the contents, you'd have to break the neck so you could pour it out. I mean, it's very, very well made. And back in this time, many believed that a woman would have an alabaster jar of perfume because her parents gave it to her as a gift in preparation for her to get married to bring something valuable into the marriage relationship which tells us this is most likely the most valuable and most expensive item that Mary has ever owned in her life. It is of extreme significance. Most likely she's meant to save this for her marriage, to bring something valuable into the marriage. But for some reason, she decides at a dinner party with Jesus to bring it to the dinner for a purpose. And I want you to see what this woman does with this very expensive jar. It says she takes it, she breaks it open at the top, and she pours it on the head of Jesus, who is reclining at the dinner table. All right, just imagine you're hosting Thanksgiving real quick, all right? Because everybody's got a Mary in their family. You know what I mean? That you're just like, what is this person going to do at Thanksgiving? Do you know what I mean? Like, if they're already here in town, don't look at them down the row, you know? But it's like, are they going to tell those kind of jokes kind of thing? Or are they going to drink too much? Or are they going to, like, make it uncomfortable? You're just hoping and praying that that person in your family is just going to hold it together for the day. Am I right? Like, everyone's got a Mary in their family. And so in this scene, Mary just does something crazy. She just breaks it. Just picture this. It's quiet. You're about to have dessert. She breaks open the jar, makes this scene, and she goes to, I don't know, maybe the most important dinner guest ever at Simon's house, and she pours all this perfume 
all over this man's head in front of everybody. And you're going, what is, what is Mary doing right now? And here's what it shows. Because she brings this extravagant piece of worship to him. And here's what it displays. This first heart for you and I to see, it's this heart of extravagance. You see, Mary does this act of worship. This very expensive thing in her life. She brings it to Jesus and she pours it all out to him in this moment. And she's not worried about the etiquette of the day, manners and protocol when you're in a guest's house and and dinner and all of that. There's just something in this woman so compelled by the presence of Jesus right in front of her that she just wants to pour the most valuable thing in her life onto him. It's this extravagant heart of worship in the midst of of this scene. And so she does that, and then there's all these other people in the room that don't necessarily like what they just saw her do. So we pan now to the disciples, and this describes our second heart. And look what, look what they say. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. That's not a word we use often, but they were unsettled, okay? They weren't feeling this from Mary. Like, Mary, what are you doing? Like, why would you break the glass? Why would you do this to Jesus? Why? They just start questioning her. And look at what they say. They asked, why this waste? Let me pause there. Because they ask a question that reveals something. As if anything you and I pour out to Jesus is a waste. And so you back up and you think, well, going to church Time in the Word, what I give, what I offer. Is there ever a time where we bring something to Jesus that's a waste? And they continue, and this perfume, they say, it could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. And, And so they start to logically game plan what she should have done with her object worth a lot of money, which describes our second heart. And I relate to this very, very well. It describes this conservative heart. Now here's the thing. There's always a tension between a heart of extravagance that's just like all into something. And then the heart that's kind of conservative that's like, whoa, 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 calm down, calm down. Why? Let's just take it easy. Like don't spend so much money. Don't go, don't go all in here. Like let's be measured Let's be controlled. Let's, let's calm down. Let's think this through. Let's get a, let's get a plan. Now, there, here's the tension. Let me describe this how we would understand. My wife likes Target. Okay? And so, let me just walk you through a Saturday with the gill straps, okay? So, she goes to Target. She calls it a date with a child, but she's training them to spend money, I think, all right? <laughs> She's sick. She's not here today, so I'm going to be more open, all right? Um, so I, inevitably, she'll, we just moved into a new home, and she's like, sees things, and she gets inspired, okay? She gets, <laughs> you relate to this? I don't know. She gets this vision of like, oh, what could be, and all oh, this could fit, and all this stuff. And so, you know, it's like a five-minute selling about the vision, and, and I go, okay, guys, what's my first question? How much, to, oh, the ladies, <laughs> the ladies answer. <laughs> You've been there, okay. How much does it cost? And she's gotten really good at like not answering that question, you know. 
the vision gets bigger, you know, for 10 years and the feelings our kids will experience from this plant, you know, and all this stuff. And like, she just keeps going. And I, then I just, I'll always ask, like, here's the question. Where's it going to go? And she's like, I don't know. Like, there's no plan. There's no logical thinking through it, right? But she's just inspired and wants to take part in it. But man, I, I want a plan. Is this the right way to spend our money? Is this the right way to spend our time? It's a, it feels, I know, it wasn't my idea. It wasn't what I came up with, right? And if we're not careful, we can start to enter into that mindset in our faith. That, that if Jesus is leading us into an uncomfortable place, that we pull back a little bit and go, oh no, hold on, is this, this wasn't what I, what I planned. I didn't, I didn't come up with this. This wasn't something that I thought about. This, this, doesn't, this doesn't make sense to me. So why would I step into that? And maybe sometimes Jesus is, is just calling us to a place outside of our comfort zone. And so that's heart, heart number two. We, we're conservative, right? And so then, then we go to this whole different scene. I love the way Matthew does it. This is right before Jesus gets captured and he's taken to the cross. He's put on trial and he gives up his life. And so what happens is we go into a place with Judas, it's all right, it's good, it's good. We go into a, a place with Judas, it, the scene changes out of the dinner party, and we move into this, this scene where Judas, who's one of the disciples who was represented here, he takes it a little bit further, okay? And he goes out and he meets secretly with the religious leaders, and they, wanna, they actually want to kill Jesus. They're trying to find a way to catch him in a lie and to get him removed because they don't like the leverage he's gaining with the people. And so Judas goes out to meet with them to get something for himself. Look at what it says. In verse 15, Judas asked the religious leaders, what are you willing to give me if I deliver Jesus to you? And so they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And essentially what happens is Judas reveals our third heart, which is a heart of selfishness. It's this approach to our lives where we make sure that we're always taken care of no matter what. And the thing about Judas, the context is he's, He's been following Jesus for three years. This is what's scary. He, he's kind of a Christian. He's following him. He, he left his family. He's been going to church for years. He's been, he's been doing the right things, and he gave up a lot to get here. But what he wanted out of Jesus is some prominence. The disciples thought Jesus would take over Rome and come to prominence, and he was the king that would bring them back to significance and, and leadership in and, and the nations, and the disciples always wanted to be prominent and successful and powerful. And so when humble Jesus is healing people, and he's loving the poor and the needy and the people no one else thinks about, Judas starts to go, well, you know what? I'm not getting out of this whole Jesus thing what I really want. And I don't know about you, but I, I can live here sometimes when the house problems come, when the money issues start to happen, 
when my job's not going the way that I wanted to, when, when life starts to not go in the direction I thought it would when I was doing the Christian thing, then it starts to challenge us in, well, maybe I have to take full control. And Judas trades out his relationship with Jesus for something tangible in the moment. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes it's hard to stay out of that mindset. And so you see the scene, these three hearts. Mary's heart of extravagance, this disciples wanting a plan, and why would you go so far with Jesus? And then Judas, completely selfish, selling out Jesus. Now here's the question for you and I today. Where do these three hearts lead? Because at any different time, you and I fall into one of these three categories. I think we know where God may want us, but we may fall in line with one of these hearts. Where does it ultimately lead to based on this story? Well, for Judas, the selfish heart, it leads to this. A selfish heart leads to a shameful sacrifice. What does that mean? Because you think maybe he didn't bring a sacrifice. Here's the thing. Judas sacrificed his Savior for a salary. To the point where after these years of following Jesus, he completely walks away from what he's committed himself to. All because he wants to make money. All because something tangible in his life wasn't going the way he wanted, so he had to make sure he could get something out of it. And we know what happens. It's, it leads him to shame. It isolates him. He's away from his disciples. He ends up taking his own life because he had traded out the Savior for 30 pieces of silver. And you see, I think our, when we, we operate in this, this place of, of selfishness, everything for me, it most likely will lead you away from where you were always meant to be. And it definitely leads you away from where God wants you to be. And so then the disciples, this, this conservative heart. Well, a conservative heart, it leads to a comfortable sacrifice. You see, it's, it's not always bad. Like, I relate to this so much. My, my 401k retirement plan is called Moderate Conservative. Okay? Like, why? Because we, we don't like the roller coaster, right? We want it to be clean. We want it to be prepared. We want it to be somewhat predictable and in control. And I, I'm just here to say, like, the disciples, that what this looks like is they wanted it to be comfortable for them. But when these religious leaders came for Jesus, what did they do? They scattered. Their heart was kind of revealed because when it got really uncomfortable and when Jesus' life was coming to the end, they ran away to their own selves, to, their, to, to protect themselves. And I think at times if we live here, it's not always bad, but we're measured in what you and I can experience from God. Because a conservative heart doesn't always lead us to the fullness of all that God has for you and I. Because this is the heart that God desires for us. And let me show you why. Because the only person Jesus really responds to in this story is Mary. After the disciples are indignant and they scold her for this act of worship, 
I want you to see what Jesus says to the disciples. Listen to these words. He goes, truly I tell you that wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what Mary has done will also be told in memory of her. I just want you to just, just feel that for a moment. You're at the dinner table and this happens and Jesus, no one gets it. It's so out of the ordinary that this woman would do this. They break it and the broken glass and there's cleanup. The perfume fills the room. It's so out of the ordinary. It's so out of the box. It's so unconservative and completely unselfish that Jesus says this will be told for the rest of time because this woman displayed the heart of sacrifice that I truly desire for my children. It's a heart that's willing to pour it all out to Jesus. It's a heart that, that doesn't replace with tangible things, our money and our job and our, even our family, our relationships, our time. Nothing comes between an extravagant heart for Jesus. And, and when I step back and think, like I've been there and I operate here a lot, but when I strive for this, how do I want Jesus to describe my heart for him? When, when he calls me to do something uncomfortable with my time, with my money, with my things, with my family. Like, who knows what he's going to call you to do. For some of you, he's going to call you to change jobs. He may call you to, to leave your location. He may call you to downsize and save money. He may call you to stick with something that you're trying to get out of. It's different for everyone. And then you and I, the, the question is, the choice that we have is how will we respond? And I think what Jesus values and what he loves is a heart that's willing, even when it doesn't make sense to you and me, even when it makes you uncomfortable, even when you have no idea if you do what he's calling you to do, where it's going to land, what's going to happen, there's always a blessing on the other side of your sacrifice to Jesus. It is never a waste to bring an offering of sacrifice to Jesus. And so here's where this heart leads. An extravagant heart leads to an extravagant blessing. Because when we think of sacrifice, you and I, we think we're losing something. Mary's like, I don't care what I lose as long as I gain more of Jesus. That's the heart. Because it always works out in the end, and he blesses it, and he honors it. And so for you and I to go deeper than maybe where we've been, we realize when we're called to bring a sacrifice to Jesus, we're not losing anything. We're gaining this closeness to Jesus that maybe we've never experienced before. And so when she took that jar, and she broke it, when she poured that perfume on, on Jesus' head, this woman in that moment, was anointing Jesus Christ as her personal king. She anointed him as her Lord, Savior, and King in that moment, saying, Jesus, I pour it all out to you. 
the most valuable thing that I own, it's all you. It's all you. And so what about you and me? What does our heart towards Jesus look like? We're going to invite the ushers forward and prepare to take up communion because I want to end this message today focused on the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I, the ultimate extravagant sacrifice. But here's the thing. When we think about bringing a sacrifice, we're kind of like the disciples. We think about the amount and the gift and how much it's going to cost. Here's what I don't want you to miss today. Look at the screens. Here's what it says. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. What does that mean? God's less concerned with the amount that you give. He's far more concerned about your willingness in your heart to give whatever he calls you to give. So in your life, what is God calling you to bring? are you willing to bring it to him and you think about as a church God is calling us to a couple of extravagant things Christmas Eve out in the open Safety Harbor Waterfront Park thousands of people buses everywhere where do we park is it comfortable the vision the heart for this is that Harborside worships the name of Jesus in our community We light up that field with the name and glory of Jesus. Then you think about this Let's Make Him Famous campaign, this worship center. And you think about what God can do with a building, what God can do with what He wants us to build and where He's leading us. And and that requires sacrifice. And so here's the power of that campaign. It's not about you and I bringing an equal gift. My wife and I are praying about what we give and how much and how often and tax returns and how we press into the vision God has given Harborside. It's going to look different for everyone. The power of the church is that we have the same heart towards the same vision that God has put on our hearts. And we press into that. We bring our offering, we bring our sacrifice to whatever it is God is calling us as a family to do. And so as we prepare for communion, I'm actually going to ask you to stand, if you would. And I want to give you a few moments. Number one, I want you to thank Jesus for the sacrifice that he brought to us. Christianity is based on a sacrifice. When Jesus laid down his life for your sins and mine so that we can have a relationship with God driven by the Holy Spirit. And so we praise him for his heart for us. And I want to ask you to pray as well. Where's my heart? Which heart am I operating in right now? And God, what does it look for me to have a heart like Mary? just ready and willing to pour it all out to you. So take two minutes to yourself. We'll take the elements together afterwards and pray to your Heavenly Father.
as we think about the bread, which represents this body of Jesus Christ, this perfect man who gave up his body as a sacrifice for you and me. We take the bread and eat, remembering his sacrifice. And the juice that represents the blood that he shed, this sacrifice so that you and I could experience life with our Heavenly Father. We take and we drink. So if you've never given your life to Christ, this whole idea of Jesus is based on a sacrifice. This extravagant heart from God towards you and me, the greatest act of love that's ever been given was Jesus on the cross so that you could enter into this relationship with him. We invite you to give your life to Christ as the uh, prayer partners can come forward and prepare for that. But I want to end by praying for all of us to have a heart of extravagance to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this moment. Father, this, this amazing woman that just saw something in you that no one else in the room saw that there wasn't going to be another moment that passed by, that she wasn't going to pour it all out to you. A heart of willingness, a heart of worship, a heart of sacrifice to say, Jesus, we're all in with you. And God, wherever you're leading the individuals in this room, it may not make sense what you're putting on our hearts. It It may not be logical. We may be fearful of making a decision we feel you're leading us to, but oh God, there's always a blessing on the other side of sacrifice. Give us the strength and the courage to have a heart that's willing to go wherever you're leading us. God, we praise you. We thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving.